the, the sheer fact is we've locked up a lot of people in the United States and most of them end up back in prison when they leave. Yeah. And it's easy to blame them for that instead of reflecting on what we, what we can do. And what we're excited about is we're even helping tell the story to our customers and our vendors and our employees that maybe don't have a record, but are a part of working with people that do that just because you come up here and do your job or, or you buy our product or that you're, you're part of the solution. And our hope is that people that buy the product are proud of the impact that they're making and they tell that story. And then all of a sudden, maybe this stigma or this legal discrimination, and it, it is legal to discriminate against felons, um, starts to maybe be rethought. And I'm excited for a church to just be a part of, you know, living out the gospel and meeting and serving the prisoners and helping this people group who um, may have done bad things. A lot of them have, but there's still people that need grace and need a savior, which sounds a lot like me and you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives and how, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast. I'm sitting here today with a good friend, Scott Gates, and uh, so uh, pumped to have you on the podcast today. Looking forward to our conversation. Longtime listener, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Long time listener. What's well, been going on for about six months. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Scott, you and your family have been uh, at Sun Valley. If, if you're new to loving God, loving people, uh, we, uh, we do this podcast out, out of a church called Sun Valley Community Church. And uh, you guys have been part of the church for how long? Uh, I think we started in 95. So that would be what, 26 years, something like that. Yeah. 26 years. And how old are you? I am 39. Okay. So, so you've been here your whole life. Yep. Especially the formative years. I mean, junior high when, you know, you're figuring out who you are and chasing girls. And So you went through puberty at Sun Valley Community I did. Church. I did. Well, yeah. welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast. <laughs> That's a beautiful beard you have, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, here's why I wanted to have Scott uh, on today. And if you don't know me, my name's Chad. I'm the lead pastor at Sun Valley. But I, I wanted to have Scott on today because, Scott, you are practicing, you're doing kind of a different business model. And I, I want to start with um, where this began, where you got the idea, kind of how God birthed it in your heart. And then we'll just have the conversation and bring it up to, to today. Yeah. Yeah. So if memory serves, uh, you and I, Scott's also uh, on our board here at the church, but you and I were at a leadership event and we saw this video uh, of a guy doing business as ministry. And I don't think you were sitting next to me. Were you sitting next to me? No, I was like two rows in front of you. Okay. But I remember, I, remember, I think I texted you yeah. and said, I know you're thinking about this right now. Yeah. Like God is speaking to you, right? Yeah. It was a, and it's funny. I've been to that summit so many years in a row, usually with you, our, our board will go. Um, and it's always powerful, but you just never know when something's going to strike you. And this, it was a really neat story. It was a guy who was running a manufacturing facility in the Midwest. He was having labor issues, which is something we're all hearing a lot about right now. Um, and to solve it, he turned to the prison system. And it's not the prison system in the way you would think of it, of exploiting labor. It was really actually this kind of mentorship type of second chance employment. 
And what was really neat about this little video that they had done was they interviewed quite a few of the prisoners who were actually part of this work program. And many of them who had actually you know, finished their sentence, got out, and a couple of them, he had actually helped start businesses. And it was this, you know, this beautiful yeah, portrayal of grace that kind of, you know, makes the gospel feel so real. And you're looking at these guys and realizing they made mistakes like we all do, but they came out on the other side of it. And and this was all in the context of a business, not a ministry. And And my, just the light bulbs were going off in my head saying, this is what I want to do. Yeah, so just to brag on Scott a, a little bit, uh, Scott was CEO of one of the fastest growing companies in the nation for a while, um, phenomenal leader. And as we were sitting there that day, uh, because Scott's, I would say, I mean, the mission of our church, right, is we love God, we love people. Yeah. I would say that that speaks to the mission of your life. Oh, That's what you're about. A hundred percent. That's what we try to think about that every day. Yeah, so. and, I, and I remember watching that video because I know you've always uh, been ministry-minded, and and yet you've you've got, um, I mean, just bluntly, you've got some amazing gifts in the realm of business and leadership. And I remember sitting there when I sent you that text, going, "Yeah, God's God's talking to Scott right right now." I think a lot of people think that ministry is for people like me. It's for the clergy, you know, and, and then everybody else just kind of does does their yeah. thing. Uh, what would you say to those kinds of thoughts? Well, I had the benefit in my life of trying to get to dabble in the waters of that a bit that really helped cement that it's not that. But in my mid-20s, I had graduated with a business degree. I had a career in sales. I was making a good living and had felt a, a pull from God on a mission trip to actually turn over my career, work for an organization, a mission organization. And it was an incredible experience for me. But like anything, um, you sometimes think, well, if I do what God wants me to do, it's just sunshine and rainbows and, and it's just all going to be so amazing. And there was some complexity there. And I love that organization. I'm still very much involved in it, but it, it ended up not being the right fit for my career. Well, I was still, you know, I was a young dad, a husband. I had to provide for my family. I had to make a pivot back to the business world. Um, but in the context of that, I never stopped feeling the call from God to use my position to, to serve others. But what was neat was the lesson of learning. It's not just ministry where God works and not everybody has to be in ministry. And the next decade of my career, I actually ended up at the place where I became the CEO. And I think God was able to use me more there than maybe I ever would have been used in a ministry position just by virtue of being faithful and, and trying to bring him into the workplace. Yeah, I'm going to pick on your words just a little bit, make sure I, I hear what you're, what you're saying. Uh, you can do ministry without being in full-time ministry yes. at a church or at a nonprofit. Better, better description. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're a Jesus follower, what I hear you say is you're called to ministry. Yeah. You just figured out over time— uh, you're called to ministry in the realm of being a, a business person. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too, because the organization I work for, and this is the the beauty of full time ministry, is it's it's based on generosity of people that believe they're part of a movement, a following. But in the role that I had, man, raising funds and getting in, a, in a, this was in the middle of the Great Recession, can be very difficult. What I loved about business is it's not just generosity-based in the sense of, I need a donation to help do good. We tried to figure out ways, how can we build products that people love, but in turn use those resources to actually do good for other people? And that 
really resonated with me because I realized how hard it is in a, in a crowded nonprofit world to rely on other people's generosity. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. So Scott was uh, the ministry he was involved with. He just made reference to it. And you're in charge of fundraising. And I used to do that. And you were like, dude, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, is, this is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you, you, you wind up becoming part of, of this company and uh, it was a window and door company mm-hmm. and you did really well. You became the, the CEO. And uh, one of the things that I loved about your leadership, we actually had um, here at the church, we, we have a larger staff. We, we had our leaders go and, and visit Scott uh, at his company, but you really built it around these values mm-hmm. that you said, everything that we do, in business is going to be built around uh, the kind of people we want to be, right? And and remind me again what the top value was. It this was, just popped in my brain. We yeah, didn't prepare no, for this. it's yeah. it's it, it's exactly what you said. It was we always love people first. So we had ten leadership principles that were kind of the defining way that we expected leaders to lead. And what I realized, so Western when I started there was about a six million a year company. And by the time I left, it was $150 million a year. So we had gone from you know, 30 employees to 400 to 500 employees. And there's just challenges associated with growth and scaling your leadership. And we really wanted these principles to kind of define what it meant to work there. But people kind of got wigged out at first. Like, why is the word love on a board and a business? And it was always my favorite thing to articulate well, this is what this looks like, and this is what loving means. And loving isn't the absence of hard conversations or accountability. It's actually all of those things. But it is certainly looking at your your customers, your vendors, and your fellow employees, and just believing that I love and care for this person, and we're going to win together, and letting that kind of define the way we made decisions. And that really started to permeate, and it made it a very special place that people love being at because that that culture was so prevalent and strong. So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that somebody on your board comes in, they're vested in the company and they see this young kid, right? Who's in his thirties, right? But young kid. And uh, his, his first value is we're going to love people. And this hard business guy's going, what the crap, right? What, what are we doing here? Did we make a mistake putting this guy in charge? Did you have any of that? And if so, how did you defend it? There was a little, and even ways, so like, and then the the second value was have fun. So you think love and fun. <laughs> love and fun. That is not on best. Nobody's making any money around correct, here. Correct, correct. Millennial, so, right? So like, even as you came in, we had, you know, we had a slide and arcade machines and, and there isn't you had, a, you had a big picture of Yoda on the yes, wall. Yes, we did. That was my favorite. <laughs> yes. I love the Yoda, the do or do not. Yeah. There, there is, is no, no try. try. Yes. There you go. So people, especially, you know, some of our older board members had like a very strong reaction, like what is going on here? And what is good is if you're intentional and, and leadership always has to be intentional, like you better have a good why. And that was actually one of our principles as well. A great why for everything you do. So everything from the Yoda wall to the arcade machine to the slide had a very defendable, understandable, interlinking strategy associated with it. And when you grow really fast, it's really hard. <laughs> it makes people tired, exhausted. They, there's a lot of friction running across the different functions of the business. 
And what I felt was that love and fun were two ingredients that made that type of white knuckle speed. It was the the elixir or the 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 oil that made the engine run. And you know, when people were laughing or having fun or or wanting to bring their family in just to see their office, they would work a little bit harder and maybe be a little bit more patient with some of the tension that I knew they I was going to have to expect of them as we were growing. So you grew from six million to one hundred and fifty million over what span of time? Eight years. Yeah, that's fast. Yeah. Um, did Did you ever feel uh, maybe some of the people that challenged you on your style of leadership with the love and the fun and the slide and the Yoda and all that? And in that run of success, did you did you ever have like moments of vindication or some old guy put his arm around you and be like, "Well, you young whippersnapper, I guess you knew." And yes, there was definitely some some moments of like sweet justice where you're walking <laughs> through and you're you're painting the picture of you know I'm thinking back to like one of my first board meetings with one because our company had sold a few times and a healthy skepticism and debate that can happen in a, at a board meeting mm-hmm. um, and I had a moment where I can be you know confident and I said hey by this date our profit level is going to be here and I'm calling the ball and, and pointing to the scoreboard right now. And we had a moment literally standing next to our slide. And I said, hey, do you remember uh, 14 months ago when I said we were going to be here and we had actually beat the metric? And it was a good, and, and it, hey, it doesn't always go that way. There was certainly a little luck involved, but it was nice to show owners that you can love people, be a people-centric organization and be wildly successful and profitable. Those things do not have to be exclusive. Yeah, I, th- there's a... So, so loving God, loving people comes from Jesus. I'm going to be the pastor here for a yeah. second. There, there's a brilliance to everything Jesus said and and did. Mm. And and I think, um, for instance, you know, if I were on the board and I, you know, was well vested in your company, and again, this kid's coming in and putting a slide and arcade games and all that, <laughs> then I'm thinking, oh no. But it's not just that you were, hey, this is neat and cool. There was a brilliance to what you did there uh, because your people felt cared for. Mm. Uh, to your point, you had all this rush of growth and it helped kind of soothe may- maybe the, the wounds of, of, of the fast pace run. There was just a brilliance to all that. Well, I appreciate that. And I, and I totally agree with your assessment on Jesus. I think, you know, if Jesus had been a business person, he would have been a brilliant business person. He would have... He would have loved his people. He would have been wildly successful and profitable because that's just who he is. And it's funny, like it's little things that I I loved being validated that if you treated people with respect and kind of aligned everybody on a bold vision, that things that people say you will never work were actually proven to work. And I just love that not only my biggest source of pride was not the profit or the growth or the sales numbers, but when we would do surveys and we'd say, who wants to work here five years from now? It's like 93% of our staff love their jobs. And that's a very rare thing in most business, in the business world now that people love their jobs. And I think that's why we had great success is because people love being there every day. Yeah, this is a window and door company with Yoda on the wall. Yes. Yeah. And let me, let me just say this about Scott, because I, I know you. It, it It's not like you're in the nice club. Like, we're just here to have, you know, 
make sure everybody feels good. I mean, you you guys were kicking some serious butt. We talked about six million to one hundred and fifty million. All of all of that growth. You you loved people, but you still had to fire people. Yeah. We had to make some brutal decisions and some very hard days and some very, you know, on the run up of growth. I know you and I have had to even process this as the church has grown, but sometimes the the very best leader for a season at this size is great. But then you new challenges, new scope, new responsibilities. They're not the best leader for the next season. Those those moments are excruciating, but you you can always love through those, right? And this is something that you and I share and actually call each other for advice on. But, you know, getting through those, this was not an absence of pushing people hard and expecting their very best work. It was just all of that in addition to things that just made their work environment memorable and fun. And I think a lot of people will say that was the best stretch of their career that they ever had, which is great. Well, anytime I was around, uh, and I would, I would work for you with you anyway, but anytime I was at your office, I was like, man, our office sucks. Like, <laughs> we don't have Yoda. We don't have wrestlers. Talk about it real quick, the, the wrestler wall. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. This was just a little way to be, to never take our, ourselves too seriously. But when you go into a lot of big companies and some very big window companies, when you get in their lobby, they have the portraits of the founders. Think like a Marriott painting that you see right. when you go in a Marriott building. Well, we were like, gosh, we never want to take ourselves that seriously. So rather than making us the heroes of the company, let's just honor our heroes from our childhood. So I literally had my brother-in-law, who's a talented painter, commission oil paintings of professional wrestlers from the 1980s in board suits. So in our boardroom, we had, you know, Ultimate Warrior and, and Superfly and the Iron Sheik and all of their titles won to remind us that, you know, we got to check our egos at the door because we'll never be as cool as these guys. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. We don't have anything like that. We just have, you know, scripture verses. Yeah, stuff. well, you know, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gloss over this next part and, and you can fill in any gaps you want, or we'll just leave it as glossed over. Okay. So Scott's leading this company, uh, six million to one hundred fifty million. The company sells. Um, so that's great. There, there are a lot of people that benefited from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the company is is taken over by the new owner, mm-hmm. and you became part of that leadership team. But the culture was a little different, mm-hmm. and you just got to a place where you wanted to make a change. Yeah. And I, that's that's a really good description of it is, I think what you realize in business or in churches or in families and relationships, there's no one way to do things. Obviously, I was a big believer in our way. Um, and I think even the ownership group that bought was very enamored and, and loved the thought of how we did things. But sometimes actually integrating those two things and finding a way to combine them is a difficult thing. Yeah. And I think what I started to realize is there's just seasons for everything. And scripture does tell us that, that this new season under this new leadership and the vision of what and where they want to take the company was probably not the best fit for me, even though there seemed to be a, a big opportunity for me to stay and be part of a bigger company. I think I was starting to miss and love the things from my early years there. Yeah. And just the freedom to be completely in control, which was something I'd never experienced before. Yeah. Yeah. 
There, there's there's something about you and your personality, and there, there's there's some business people right now hearing this that are going to be nodding their head yes. There, there's a grit about you. Um, I, I think there is in all leaders. Uh, I, I think most, I'm going to say it this way, most big L leaders kind of have to have the ball, yeah. especially when the game's on the line. Yeah. And, and in essence, you, you, um, you know, you, you won the championship and then now somebody else is captaining the team because you became part of that team. So that, I, I, I get that struggle. That's a really good way to put it. And I think that, and it's, it's not a judgment of the other person who has the ball. It's more that this is just who I am. Yeah. And, and the way I lead is, is very kind of trust-based and very candid and real. And what's, what I was finding is when I had to lead through a decision that I didn't completely agree with, I was very uncomfortable because I never did that before. Right. I only led and finalized on decisions that I believed in. And, and that's just hard. And I think other people, it's, a, I guess, a gift that they can do it, but I need, I need the ball in my hands with the game on the line. I well, want to take the shot. Th- yeah, there's something about that pressure yeah. and, and, and kind of um, feeling the weight of it. Yeah. That I, I think is very much who you are, and and again, some of the big L leaders who are listening, you, you folks get that. Yeah. Uh, whether you're male or female, there's just something about that. Um, you're just wired for it. Yeah. And and you miss it. So I get that. So so let's let's go back to where we started. And all the while, there's this little seed that God planted. Uh, business is, is ministry, and and you had this picture of uh, this gentleman in the video that we saw that was helping. Um, Prisoners, once they got out, they mm-hmm. helped them start businesses. Uh, they had some um, healthy pride mm-hmm. in, in, in what they could do while they were in prison, uh, and, and he was offering some dignity there. Um, you're at a place now where you've started a new company, yeah. and business's ministry is very much a part of your philosophy. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so... In the course of this big decision to transition, as you said, this this thing from that leadership conference had just been bouncing around in my head. And, you know, I have enough experience on this faith journey of being a Christian. When you feel like God's pushing you towards something, you, you need to listen and have the courage to listen. And as a result of that, my wife, who's very influential in my life and tends to be more well-read on social issues, pushed me towards just deeper discovery on just some of the realities facing second chance employment and, and some of our incarceration issues as a country and just how this problem has spun and realizing, man, this is a big deal. And maybe we could do something to be a part of the solution. So that was the genesis of how do we create a business that can do this? But then the hard reality is, well, what's that business going to be? Um, I'd spent a lot of years of my career in windows and doors. I'm not afraid to try different things, but I had some good godly counsel in my life as I dabbled and explored. How do I build a business where I primarily employ people who need second chances and and tell their stories and make that about who the business is? There's a little bit of hubris check that you have to take sometimes of realizing just because you had success in one business doesn't mean you could in the other. So you were thinking about departing windows and doors, doing something else with a desire, I'm going to just say it bluntly, a desire to hire ex-cons yep. and, and help them move forward into a healthy life. Yeah, so the why of the business and the who we were hiring is what we were 
100% sold on the how oh, yeah. and the what. What kind of business, yeah. We just didn't know. And okay. my, my partner, who's also passionate about this issue, a, a, a believer in Jesus, we were like, man, we, we looked at five or six different business models. And then I had a, a, a good friend in my life kind of say, hey, you know what you know. You know exactly who to call. You know the opportunities. You know the market. Um, you know the niche that can be created. And if you have the capital and wherewithal to pull it off, go back to where you've played your whole career and be successful there. And after a lot of discovery and exploring, that's where we ended up is we're going to start a window and door company, which we did. And the whole genesis of the business is to employ people that need second chances. Yeah, I'm going to kind of throw uh, my story in and then some of our story kind of on this on this journey. We, we had a, a board meeting, an offsite board meeting, and you and I were talking. And uh, of course, over the past year or, or two, just the reality of injustice uh, has kind of all smacked us in the face. And I had people in the church coming and saying, you know, what are we going to do for social justice? which I have people that have a whole lot of ideas for me all the time. And I basically would respond with, hey, I am with you in the sense of heart and, and somebody's got to do something. But as a church, tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, uh, and I was calling some of my friends who um, live in a different world than I do and was getting counsel from them. And um, I just found myself with a desire to do something, but a great big question mark of, of God, what, what is it? And I remember you and I talking and, and I was like, okay, I'm a pastor of this really big church and there's this really big issue and I want to do something. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Right. And you begin to tell me about this, this dream and, and what you were thinking uh, for, for, for your business. And then um, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and tell everybody, I'll talk to the church more about it this fall. But um, I, I went home and I, I, I had a, I had a dream and <laughs> I felt like, um, I felt like God told me, give Jean Valjean the candlesticks. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever seen the movie Les Mis or you've seen the musical Les Mis, if you've seen the movie, just set aside Russell Crowe. Besides that, it's pretty good. <laughs> not his best performance. Well, some people can act and some people can <laughs> sing and not everybody can do both. Fair but, enough. Um, if if you don't know the story, just just watch the movie uh, Les Mis. But there's there's a guy who went to prison, and he gets out, and he just can't catch a break, and he winds up spending the night at the home of a priest. He steals silver from the house, winds up getting arrested. They take him back to the house of the priest, and the priest, uh, instead of saying thief, yes, he did steal that silver, the priest says, no, 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 I gave that to him. And in fact, you, you forgot the candlesticks, you know, too, kind of thing. And it changes Jean Valjean's life. Yeah. Uh, because he was offered, you used this word earlier, he was offered this amazing grace. I'm getting chill bumps right now talking about it. It radically changes him. And um, what I love about what you're doing is you're wanting to give Jean Valjean the candlesticks. Um, we could argue about prison reform all day long. There's all kinds of different opinions about all of that. But at the end of the day, the Bible is very clear. Uh, there are two people that we're supposed to minister to, and there's no question. Uh, it's orphans and it's the prisoner. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's crystal clear in Scripture. And I just love what God's planted in, in your heart. Uh, as a church, we're looking at our next campus being actually in a prison. 
And so we're working on that. You and I are going on a trip uh, here in about a month or so. Um, but I just believe God's doing something here. Yeah. Um, so, so where are you now uh, with, with your with your business? Are you figuring this out um, with, um, I mean, local government? How, how does how does some of that work? Yeah. So it's in the nitty gritty of actually launching a company, and I think even we're discovering this even with our church is, and rightfully so. There's there's some complications of working within a prison and all the. That's very kind and charming. It's yes. a bureaucratic nightmare. It's a bureaucratic yeah. nightmare. It is. But, you know, it's like you got to fight through all that because you know there are people on the other side of those walls that, yeah. that need ministering, right? Yeah. So in our same discovery, what we found was, because we had some desire, could we work with people in prison? Instead, we found that was going to be very restrictive. So we've partnered with a lot of local agencies that are actually helping people, halfway houses, other nonprofits that meet people when they leave prison. And then we're actually setting up a process to kind of meet them with open arms so that they understand the process that and what a good job could look like working at our company. And then the beauty of it is if you build a great product in a, in a business model, typically that great product can drive great margins. And what I think sometimes gets missed when business isn't ministry is then all that great margin just goes into the pocket of the of the owners, of the board, or whatever. What we're trying to do is the beauty of that profit is that we actually can turn that into a whole bunch of wraparound services that help this people group really get on their feet. And I think the thing that broke my heart, I think it broke yours, which is why I'm so excited about this step for our church, is leaving prison um, is one of the most difficult things to do, reentering society. And, you know, being on the other side of uh, being an employer, we were a second chance employer at Western, but it wasn't our, our why. But you do a background check, it's an easy check to be like, well, all things held constant. That person's got a record, this person doesn't. And how many times that happens in the, the spinning wheel of, and if you can't get a job, it's very difficult to reintegrate into society, let alone the mental health issues and the challenges. And... The, the sheer fact is we've locked up a lot of people in the United States and most of them end up back in prison when they leave. Yeah. And it's easy to blame them for that instead of reflecting on what we, what we can do. And what we're excited about is we're even helping tell the story to our customers and our vendors and our employees that maybe don't have a record, but are a part of working with people that do that just because you come up here and do your job or, or you buy our product or that you're, you're part of the solution. And our hope is that people that buy the product are proud of the impact that they're making and they tell that story. And then all of a sudden, maybe this stigma or this legal discrimination, and it, it is legal to discriminate against felons, um, starts to maybe be rethought. And I'm excited for a church to just be a part of, you know, living out the gospel and meeting and serving the prisoners and helping this people group who um, may have done bad things. A lot of them have, but there's still people that need grace and need a savior, which sounds a lot like me and you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, as time goes on, um, I'm just becoming more and more aware of how our family of origin shapes us, mm. the environment that we grow up in, all those kinds of things. And, and there's a lot of us right now. You're, you're even listening to the podcast. Uh, you and I woke up on third base. Yep. Uh, we didn't realize it. But, but we really did. And, and what I love about what you're thinking is 
uh, it's an opportunity to um, really help people, as you said, that are discriminating against. And and, and that's got to make sense to anybody. You're you're looking at two applications, you know, and a background check and and that whole thing. I never even thought about it before. It's just like, well, this this person's qualified too. And I think what I'm realizing is, well, then— I want to be the one who looks the other direction because there are every other company's looking at that one on the left versus the one on the right. And yeah. It's okay. And I, I think maybe we can flip the table a little bit when you start realizing that person who did get to start on third base like me, it's not that we didn't work hard or didn't, you know, put in the effort to to keep going and make it to home home plate. But man, I, I want to help people get to third base. Yeah. Um, and I want to recognize some of those things and and just hearing the stories and getting to know people who have these experiences, you realize it's 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 a vulnerable people group that man, if there was ever someone I knew who who needed grace, who who needed the love of Jesus and the power of the gospel, it's it's this people group. And I'm just excited that God laid this on my heart and that we're ha- having a chance to do this. Yeah. Well, I'm super proud of you, just as your friend. Thanks. And uh, I, I know it's a big challenge. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of compress everything that we talked about today. So if you're like, well, what's the bottom line here? Here's the bottom line. Um, you can kick butt in business and follow Jesus and love God and love people at the same time. Um, this is something that God has called uh, Scott to. It's something that he's called our church to. Uh, we, we will have a campus in a prison. We're going to figure that out one way or the other. Um, but I just believe God's going to do amazing things in and through your business. I think he's going to, um, it's not a, you did this, so you get this, Mm -hmm. but we're all stewards of what God has given us, our talents and abilities. And I just think the owner of all things will reward you for the way that you're managing the gifts that he's given you. I appreciate that. And I tell you what, I, you, you say this a lot, um, at our church, but you know, we, we realize we're never more like Jesus than when we give and when we serve. And the reward of serving others is very rarely them looking at you and being like, oh, thank you so much. It's it's this incredible feeling of feeling alignment with God and, and, and experiencing the kingdom of heaven of this is like, this is what Jesus intended. And there's just something incredibly special of living out that on a daily basis. And it's such an incredible reward to see someone who needed grace and a hand up be able to find their footing and, and take steps forward in life. And, and it just, it's this beautiful picture of, I think, what heaven's going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a business person and you're a follower of Jesus, what would it mean for you to love God and love people uh, right where you are? Uh, maybe love first, lead second, but always do both. And uh, that's something to pray about and think about. Thanks, Scott, for uh, being with us. Being it was with my us pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you rated the podcast and left us a review. Also, sharing this with a friend is a great way to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you are always welcome to join us online for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc or go to locations.sv.cc to join us in person at one of our physical locations. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.